one minute you're a successful career woman in control of her life, and 40 seconds later you're a piece of meat begging not to be butchered. Don't think about it. It's all I think about. <laughs> We're just uh, something on the food chain, Tessa. Man wants to hurt us. He hurts us. Stop it. Don't do this to yourself. How would you feel if it happened to you? Welcome to Highlander Rewatched, the podcast where we talk about Highlander the series in detail. Today's episode is episode 11, See No Evil. The weirdest title we've had yet. Yes, sir. Uh, This first aired December 19th, 1992. It was directed by none other than Thomas J. Wright. We all know what he did. Come on, we can hear you out there. Say it with us. <laughs> no no hold hard. Yes, it's great. Yay. Watch it for Kurt Fuller. Stay for Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and this was written by Brian Clemens. So Brian Clemens is like, he's like an old school TV writer. Uh, like he, he wrote like the old Avengers TV show. Yeah. Uh, with like Danger Dian- Man, the Patrick McGowan. If anybody watches The Prisoner. that's Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah good stuff and yeah a lot of stuff in like the late 60s and the 70s he actually died in 2015 this year i think in january he died oh that's sad but the the weirdest thing he wrote he wrote the story to highlander 2 Mm. and it's also crazy this is the only episode of highlander the series he's written but like i don't know how he got hired or to 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 work on highlander 2 and obviously we're gonna get to that a couple months down the road at this point but yeah but that's Maybe they saw Highlander 2 and were like, yeah, your services will no longer be required. I don't know. Uh, what, like, the story? Like, that, what does that mean? Like, he just came up with the general He came idea. up with, like, the gist of it. And so yeah. I'm curious, like what, was, like, what was his gist of it? Like, was there, I don't know if there's another story credit on that as well. I'm not sure. But if he came up with some of the stuff that goes on in that movie. Bad gist. Whoa. <laughs> so uh the guest stars in this episode are jg uh hertzler as marcus uh carolus um so this dude is the the villain the bad guy in zaro because we keep talking about zaro a lot like the new adventures of zaro he's the bad guy he's uh uh what's his name del Del soto i think Hmm. a very white looking guy just pointing that out Uh, yeah so but he pulls off spanish pretty well in the the show well that's good good. yeah he he definitely doesn't look the part in this episode yeah i wish he had more to do in this episode because like i remember him being like a great villain in zaro and in this he's kind of like he's there for like what 30 seconds yeah Yeah, but he does a good job oh he he does yeah Yeah, he sticks to the 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 quality villains that we've seen and then the other uh the other guest is moira wally moira wally beckett excuse me as natalie ward uh and she is the i guess battered uh yeah, the victim. Victim in the episode. But she she doesn't have a lot of acting credits. Like, yeah. she is mostly a producer. And she was a producer on, like, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Which is, like, 
Whoa. Yeah, whoa indeed. Like and other shows too. Like I, f- I forget off the top of my head, but like a stuff. show a show called Philly, which is interesting to us because we're from Philadelphia. Hey, it's I never knew there was a TV show called Philly. Philly? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's what, like what it's about that? Philadelphia. I don't know. What? Yeah. It's just about pretzels <laughs> and, and, and tomato pie. is a walking cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> Beating up hitchhiking robots. It's uh, great. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of robots, uh, earlier in her acting credits, she is a very small part. I think she's listed as like jogger. She is in the movie Runaway. Which is the only movie directed by Michael Crichton? <laughs> oh Whoa. shit! And yeah. it's that that movie's insane. It's Tom Selleck stars, and he's a cop in the future that like is on like the robot task force. Course, yeah. So like when robots are like misbehaving and shit, like he's the one who's got to like deal with them. Uh, so anyway, the IMDb episode description for this is: A friend of Tessa is assaulted and nearly killed by a serial killer who scalps his victims. Duncan believes him to be a copycat killer who was basing his crimes on those of an immortal whom Duncan confronted years ago. The episode begins, Duncan and Tess are going to see her friend at the generically named Municipal <laughs> Stadium. Mm, very which good. Which I guess C. Coover has a football team that has tickets that are hard to get because Duncan's like angling for yeah. some tickets on yeah, the 50 so yard what you, line what do you think the name of the sports team is it's like <laughs> me- metro <laughs> city sports <team>. city sports. <laughs> I, I would go for the sea coover quickeners but that oh, would be the sea coover highlanders <laughs> uh, in any case uh they're going to see her because she wants to buy some of tess's art to gussy up Municipal Stadium. She well, saw those. It. She saw those donuts in the park, and she She's was like, like "Get them!" Yeah, I gotta get me some of these. <laughs> but then, uh, <laughs> that's what she sounds like. But again, this weird plot of like Duncan sort of being a womanizer comes back. Yeah, and this has been introduced yeah. since episode one, when like Connor says to him, "You've had most of the good women throughout history." <laughs> With his Christopher Lambert laugh, um, this is this is creepy. He 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 has a, like a pamphlet with her picture on. Yeah, it. yeah, which is for Municipal Stadium, but for some reason just has a picture of, of her. her yeah. on it. and like Duncan saying something weird and generic, like "Oh, elegant, great foundation," blah blah blah. What does and that mean? I don't know. Maybe Dun- I don't know. Duncan's all about the base. Come I'm on, sure. you guys know what it is when hey, you talk about women. Guys foundation. get together, they talk about uh. girls. They got the foundation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a meathead. Um, <laughs> this yeah. has been a preview of Philly, the Philly TV show. What was the show called? Philly, <laughs> Philly. Is that that in this my? This is head? a preview. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> probably what the show was like. That's exactly. That's the cheesesteak talking. (laughs) So he's like basically eyeing this woman up, and Tess is like, you're talking about the stadium, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Blah. So they go to this very poorly lit municipal yeah. stadium. Like, I it's guess pitch black. This whole sequence, like, is pitch black. Like, she's there. It looks like she's working and she's gonna meet people. And yeah. just has no interest in turning. Well, they the lights they probably on. contacted yeah. the city in Vancouver and were like, "Can we shoot at the stadium?" Uh, yeah, but it's like well, it'll cost that much. Well, I don't have that much. We're not turning the lights on. Yeah. Like, it's like, all right, fine, we'll deal with it. Yeah, we'll bring a spotlight or two. <laughs> So she's expecting Tess and Duncan to come visit her, and she's alone in the box. It's just her and the security guard, Sam. Sam. The useless security guard, Sam. Yep, who does absolutely nothing. And also, is this like the same Sam that has those software upgrades? Does he moonlight as a (laughs) security guard? I don't know. 
So she's up there. She hears someone coming, and she thinks it's Tess and Duncan. But no, it's basically the Red Baron. <laughs> yeah, he he looks like the gyro captain from the Road Warrior. He's dressed up in like this weird pilot outfit. But also they show up. So he sneaks up behind her, and there's this weird POV shot that I don't understand. He has like he back. has like MTV vision. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just MTV like... vision, like Predator vision or something. But like he's. A normal man. I don't understand why he has this vision. Yeah, it's very puzzling. Well, one thing that is cool is right before that starts, the music in this episode is pretty cool, actually. And there's like this crazy guitar cue. And he's like, before you realize that he's in this ridiculous 1920s, this like world, not 1920s, world war one aviator yeah. outfit. Before that, it looks like he's just kind of a biker, and there's yeah. like this cool like as he's <laughs> as he appears and like draws this knife. I'm like, oh, like this is cool. It's like we talked about the music a little bit in Mountain Men. It's right. like the the music comes a little more to the fore in some of these episodes. Yeah. So he sneaks up on her, and he's gonna scalp her. Scalp her. I guess. Yeah. yeah, it's brutal. It, it is brutal. It is pretty. Uh, like pretty they end up cutting intense. to her head, and it's like. Yeah, bloody mess. It's yeah, gross blood everywhere. Saturday um, afternoon but, on UPN. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, Duncan and Tess have arrived to the scene. Like they they were coming anyway, and they've like interrupted this murder. Yep. And so Tess attends to her friend Natalie, and Duncan is like in hot pursuit after this the biker guy. Biker guy. Yeah. And this biker guy, they like tussle a little bit on the stadium steps, and Duncan's like owned again by this like untrained dude. Yeah, it kills me because, like, Duncan is only ever as effective as the plot needs him to be. Right. And, like, sometimes, like, Cypher from the Matrix can just, like, <laughs> push him over and he's yeah. done. And then other times he's, like, the, like, Kung Fu master. Right. Other times. And it's just all about what the plot needs yep. in that given instance. Right. So, so he's, again, forgotten how to fight. Yeah. yeah. So there's this chase scene, which is, like, kind of okay. I kind of like that they're cool, hopping around. Yeah, there's a cool tumble down the steps. Like, there's some good stuff. Yeah, there's work. some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and But ultimately, this killer escapes. He gets on a bike, yeah. drives away. Duncan can't pursue. After yeah. barreling into this security guard. Yeah. And whatever this, like, the guy just kind of bumps into him. The security guard just, like, crumples, like, yeah. paper. Well, and, like, can't get back up. He's like, oh, he, did, he didn't I, hear the woman shrieking. I guess not. Also, I have a note that, like, so this killer is running down the ramp. Sam has his back towards him. He barely, like, he doesn't notice this guy's behind him until, like, the last second. And the first thing he does is pull his gun out. Like, <laughs> it's like, there's someone behind me, a gun. Like, it's like, why is your gun out? Like, all the security guards in this show are, like, way, like, jumping Trigger on the happy. violence. Like, cause like that guy that slams like Richie, Richie into the wall, wall and breaks yeah. the drywall. Yeah. Like, the security guards here are pretty trigger happy. Mm. Watch it, lightning lips. <laughs> <laughs> Old lightning lips. Uh, so... We cut to a little bit later, and Detective Sister Sister is he's back, which is yeah. surprising because it's like, oh, he made it into another episode <laughs> yeah. for yep. him. He survived. Yeah, the <laughs> cops. Made the, cut. the cops have a like a, a bigger death rate than the immortals in this yeah. show. Like yeah. they just get cut. It's like fuck <laughs> there can be only one police officer in C. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're they're questioning everybody. Um, also, oh, there's there's another new cop that's introduced, which is weird. Yeah, and he has graffini. Like, yeah, graffini. He has the most animated hand gestures. <laughs> It's like, so what? Have you seen this guy? What's going on? Can you give me a description? What can you tell me? Can you tell me anything? No. And, like, and for the listeners, Eamon is flinging his I'm own. flailing my arms all <laughs> over the place. Sorry, uh, guys. But it's weird because they've introduced the, the sister-sister guy, 
as like the new cop, but in this episode, he's like he's kind of he's like a, a background yeah. cop, and it's like oh okay, like I don't know if they're going for a good cop bad cop thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know what's happening, I but there's another new cop. So, yeah. um, and then Randy shows up, Ugh. Rando McFarland. She's back, um, and so she's referred to this killer as the scalper, and right. she's like, well, this has happened before, which is news to everybody. It's like oh okay, and also she gets directly onto the crime scene, and they're like, how'd you get here? And she's like. I'm very popular with your men. And yeah. it's like, whoa. Like, this, uh. Yep. In case the listeners haven't noted, at, at least at this point in the series, the female parts are a little underwritten. <laughs> <laughs> so not really much happens here other than it seems like Duncan maybe isn't telling the police everything. Right. Because of course he's not because it's Duncan and right. he's got to like shoot the cops in some way. Yep. Uh, so in the next scene, Duncan's back at his studio and... He is like onto this. All of a sudden, like he knows the deal, and we and we don't know why. Like you get a hint as he's leaving that he knows something because she asks him a question, and he's like, "Those who don't remember the past are doomed to repeat it." Right. Yeah. Which like, is vaguely threatening when he says it. Like when he says it to her, I'm like, "Whoa!" Like, well, she just asked for like, "Can I get a quote?" And he just says that, and it just seems like it's like, "Oh, this is just some quote people know." Here is a quote. A quote. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, here's what Friends, I... Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. I didn't catch this. Like, does something make him suspicious about this? Or is it just that it's a scalping? I don't know. That it makes him think of this spoiler later in the episode. Like, he knows someone that was a scalper. Like a Was murderer. that person a scalper? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know how much he plays it out, but I think we're supposed to think so because he, the... Oh, we discover that there's an immortal named uh, Marcus. Marcus. Yep. Marcus, who's like a thespian in some way mm -hmm. and he was betrayed by a blonde woman so he kills similar looking women because they remind right. him of her but i guess like there's this weird connection to the hair so like he scalps to like remove their uh, hair right i think it's that supposed to be the so the link so tess gets back and she she had just been visiting with natalie in the hospital and she's like who would do this to somebody and duncan's response is like and he says it's so like, long. He's it's like so a man long. who was betrayed by the one he loved and then went insane because of it. It's like, wait, what? Like <laughs> when he's telling her this, he's staring her dead in the face, emotionless. <laughs> it's like he was referring to her. Like he's being passive aggressive or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, how does he conclude any of this? Like that guy this like, is another once loved and is, like okay, I guess like yeah. This fine. is another Thanks, like Duncan. Adam West Batman Riddler moment yeah. where he just immediately knows what's going on so for Tess, no reason. Tess is like, you know him, and he's like someone like him, and so we then we get a flashback, and it's C. nineteen twenty five, according to the Watcher Chronicles. Um, I think the flashback's actually cool. The, it's the, like this is the best part of the episode. Yeah, it's yeah. by, far, by it's, far. It's in black it's and awesome. white, which is yeah. fun. Like it's got like some style to it. Duncan's yeah. wearing like these two tone shoes and a yeah. bowler hat. It's, it's like awesome. it's kind of yeah. great. Yeah, I don't know if this is just like a weird film thing or not, but like they didn't get the color timing quite right because it's like it's not completely black and white. No, like it's no. a little red. It like, looks the it red looks... is still there. It's like you guys couldn't do the color timing. No? It looks okay. wrong. It looks it's cool, but it looks wrong. <laughs> like it doesn't look like an old movie, which yeah. is what I think they were going for. Uh so what we witness is Duncan is in the Orpheum Theater, we mm -hmm. find out, and he's confronting this guy. This is the villain from Zaro del Soto. De Soto, whatever his name was. And they get into a scuffle. He throws like a knife in his yeah, that's stomach. Awesome. Short it's a great it's a yeah. like a straight shot to the gut. Yep. And Duncan then puts on his weenie voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
you you killed her 300 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So it turns out the backstory we get is that this guy's lover found out who he was and like ratted him out. And he ended up getting burned as a witch, he says. Yeah. Uh, they burned me. Uh, <laughs> is what he had and so said. he was yeah. like devastated by this and ended up like losing it and I guess killing his lover. Yeah. But he's been like psychologically like damaged by this whole thing and now he's like a serial killer who kills people that look like his former love. And he's been doing it for 300 <laughs> years. This this fight ends oh, d- d- the way Duncan ends the fight. He's just like he goes he, the way he says this is like his to his buddies like Bye, Marcus. And he cuts yeah. his head off. Well, like, are they, so I was a little confused as to what the relationship was supposed to have been at this point. Because they know each other. Like, it doesn't begin with Duncan saying, like, I'm his, like, standard intro. Yeah. They know each other. He right. calls him Duncan, not McLeod. Yeah. Like, it seems like there's some closeness between them. Like, he's like, come with me. I want to help you. Yeah, because Duncan knows about this past. He's like, you right. should, like, he's like, this isn't Lenore. That was 300 years. Like, Duncan cares about him, I think. I think, but has he been like, letting this man murder people for three hundred years, or is this a he, recent? Does, I assume snap. it's more recent. Okay, or well, no, not the snap says, is more recent, but that Duncan discovers it. More he recently. said he killed five people before he got to stop him, which may have just been in Seacouver, not right, necessarily exactly. before that. Well, the Watcher Chronicles get deep into like how many people he killed, which is a lot. How many? Uh, I don't know if I have the exact number down, but also this guy Marcus is like super old according to the Watcher Chronicles. Uh, it says Marcus was born in 136. What? Whoa. Yeah. So this is the oldest character we know about so far. Yeah, this in the Roman is... Empire. Well, we don't know about it. The Watcher Chronicles have told us about, like, so to speak. Uh, right. But yeah, it says he killed like a ton of people. So so yeah, I don't know who, what Duncan if Duncan knows about more or just these five in Seacouver. Hmm. Yeah, it's unclear, but... For don't for whatever closeness they seem to have, he does dispatch him kind of efficiently. At yeah, the end. he's just like, yeah, all right, yeah, sorry. But it's a cool fight, and yeah. but I guess at this point, c- can we talk a little bit about like, I guess is this the first time we've seen like a psycho psychologically damaged immortal? Overtly, I suppose. Yeah, because this guy seems like he's like, I mean, Slan and some of these guys, like we've seen kooks. Yeah, they're but, like insane evil people, but he seems like he's not a bad person. I don't think. No, presumably. I mean, like we yeah. don't we don't get much backstory, but I don't right. have anything reason to think other than this like weird tangent he's on that he's like a bad guy. Yeah, that something is just like wrong in his head, and he thinks he's getting like revenge on his like lover who betrayed mm-hmm. him like over yeah. and over again. So I don't. I guess that can happen as an immortal. So that's, that's a new cool. even a new to a element. guy. If this was three hundred years ago. He was already what fifteen hundred and eighty years old or something like that. Yeah. So that's that's a long time for him to all of a sudden snap. Then yeah. Also, the jump through the painting is amazing in this. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. so good. It's only one up to buy the quickening. The quickening what? is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so like all these like lights, they're like on a stage, and all these right. lights are breaking. But meanwhile, Duncan is just <laughs> flopping around like a fish. <laughs> fish. I have to say that he's a fish. He's just like whoa, and just like flipping and flopping, <laughs> which is very different because he seemed much more in control in other quickenings. Well, the other ones, I mean, like we haven't mentioned this for a while, but like the quickenings are like orgasm thing, like they. Uh, to me, they carry that sort of weight with them. Like, 
there's like a big face and like yeah. and that you do <laughs> it three times a day. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, no, like they have this. They, there is some weird like sexual element to it. it yeah. yeah, especially since it's called a quickening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, this one this one is different because it's just like yeah, it is a fish flopping around on the stage. It's like okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys, he has to do Maybe one of these every week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because he's so old. Like he's overwhelmed by the sure juice. I don't know. <laughs> juice. Oh. <laughs> So and then the cut the cut back is great because it cuts back to the present and Doug's just like he was insane. Oh <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I guess so. Of course, a real nutball. <laughs> um, so Duncan thinks just because this guy is a serial killer, which is I think still a big maybe at this point because yeah. we only have two deaths, right? Or not even we have one death, yeah, and one attempt, right? Yeah. I don't know how much is like the case is well, built. Duncan also mentions earlier like the other immortals killings were like sensationalized in the papers right. when it happened. So a copycat could easily do Have research yeah, and could, get like, figure all this these all records. Out. Yeah. So yeah, it's so he bases this whole thing. He's like, this guy's copycatting. Uh, and it's like, what's this based on? The fact that the one person he killed was blonde and this other person killed blondes? It's like, yeah, yeah well, that that's a real specific fetish this yeah. serial killer has. Like, plus, what? Plus the scalping. And they reveal that the municipal stadium is built over the scene of one of the oh, murders. Yeah, right. Right. Like, I think that theater I guess. was like, this yeah. was the scene. But he says it's orchards. Oh, orchards. Yeah. Was where one of the murders happened. So Still, a, this seems, it's, it's, this does seem flimsy. He gets though. there very fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're in the stadium, walking around, like tracing back the scene of the, the the crime. Duncan's just like, oh, back 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 in the day, this was all just like orchards and stables, and it's where Marcus killed one of his victims. And then Tess just turns to him and she was like, what was it like back then? And it's like, <laughs> did you say these lines reversed? <laughs> it's like, he just said it. <laughs> he just told you what was here. Orchards and stables. What was it like? Oh, I want boy. you to be my woman. <laughs> McLeod. Do you get lonely? <laughs> God damn it. Do you listen, Tess? <laughs> Sorry. Tess has some listening issues. I, I literally hope they just edit that in opposite order. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Randy then comes to Municipal Stadium after this exchange happens, and Duncan feeds her this information about a copycat killer because uh, she wants, or he wants Randy to tell the police because right. he doesn't want to deal with them any more than he already has. Uh, so using this information, the cops then send up this like sting operation in the park using like a blonde haired cop who is terrible at her job. Oh, absolutely awful. Like she's not paying attention. She's tired. She's takes a break on a bench <laughs> for. Yeah. And then like somebody calls and like you're for she's 45 seconds late. <laughs> right. Like. Yeah, because she walked too slow between checkpoints. But it's like if you guys are far enough away, there's like a place you can't see her. What were you gonna do if she gets attacked? Yeah, yeah. just be like, uh oh, like rut row. <laughs> she lost that one. Yeah. Oh well. well. Oh, oh rats. Vancouver is a dangerous town for cops, as we've established. Yeah, but we do get to see this guy. He's like right. a groundskeeper in the park, and he's like getting ready to try and scalp her. But he's like on the job. Yeah, like, does he really Are, work there? Or was that like a is disguise? he in disguise? Maybe he he's in disguise. disguise. Yeah, I just that just occurred to me. There's also a funny scene where uh, they're back in Tess's bedroom, and there's like a bunch of Tess side boob. It's like bam, 
Uh, but Duncan is expressing how worried he is. He's like, I'm worried the police can't handle this. And he's like, and I'm not doing anything. And it's like, yeah, you did nothing by not telling the police. Yeah. Anything. Like, he knows something. And he's like, I'm worried they can't, they don't know what to do. It's like, your fault, buddy. Yeah. I don't know. He could have just anonymously reported that also instead of doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. The whole thing's a little kooky. So we end up in the killer's basement after this, after this encounter in the park. And so he's like a weird nerdy looking dude, like, I don't know. With a murder den. Yeah, he's got this, there's like old newspaper clippings and posters. He like, at some point looks in the mirror and just starts screaming. (laughs) And he just starts crying. Oh boy. Uh, Yeah. And then he's got the scalp. One of these women's scalps on the side. Is that what that is? I I thought it was a wig. Because he's like, at one point he's brushing it. I assume that was his girlfriend's scalp. So he's got like a bloody headpiece there? (laughs) Yeah. I thought for a second he was gonna... I was so convinced. (laughs) Oh, he's gonna put it on? (laughs) He's gonna wear it. Because he's also kind of bald, so it's like, oh, you just go... (laughs) So they give no character development for the serial killer. And the whole time I was wondering, like, why does he identify with any of this like it he's got this weird like 1910s 1920s persona yep and he like i just what is the why like why did he choose this like because he's a cop i assume it's because he's a copycat and his first victim was a blonde-haired woman who betrayed him he's got like this parallel with so is do we think that's what happened that the first his first victim was a woman that did betray him that's yeah i think so so. did he do that first and then research these crimes i think he probably already had an affinity for this well it's like (laughs) well it's like this is kind of like it's a, a pretty common plot in this kind of stuff is people that imitate jack the ripper yeah, this yeah, is like that. Like same thing without Jack the Ripper, basically, which you know isn't a terribly original plot point for a show in the first place. But anyway, so during this, he he looks in the mirror, and he says, "In, in this in this manner, he talks like a robot. He's like, and he has these giant pauses. We will kill them all. They will not betray us." Again, it's like it's, <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> so then he sings a little song at the piano. He says, "Sings, let me call you sweetheart." And it's like, okay. So he's like literally trying to be Marcus. Yeah, I guess. Like well, Marcus he was, had uh, a piano or something yeah, on the stage, he was right? An actor, because he yeah, had, he was a, he found him at the theater because he was like on the playbill for right, right, a show that was going to be there. So we're back in Duncan's office, and this is where the show really gets into like noir territory. Mm. Like they are they are playing a cue from that's used in like n- the Naked Gun, like the music they use <laughs> in the scene is from the Naked Gun, and he has this interaction with Randy that's so weird. Okay, so she comes in and she starts asking Duncan questions. And aside from, like, I'll skip over everything she says because it doesn't matter. It doesn't lead anywhere. <laughs> it never but, matters. But yeah. just to talk about, like, Randy's role in this episode, like, she accomplishes nothing. Like, it's like they have these these pieces in place to be like, oh, we want this to be like an old-timey noir thing, which would make sense in this, like, episode. It's like, oh, this is a 20s-era thing. Like, let's make it stylistically that way. They have all these pieces set up, but they don't, like, fill it with any actual content. Like, Randy comes in, but, like, isn't really this go-getting. Like, Randy actually never gets any info herself. Like, she's just being fed information by Duncan. And it's like, well, it's like, that's great, because now we've just taken away, like, 
any sort of like authority this female character has. It's like she does nothing. Like she's just given answers by the man, which is like I think disappointing. Uh, nothing. There's no like they set up that there's supposed to be like sexual tension in this scene. Yeah. But every time she's they and they've done that multiple times. She's been in this show, but. The way these characters are set up, like, I am never for a second thinking Duncan is falling for Randy. Like, no. So well, there's just, no tension they, there either. Like, they just don't have chemistry. Yeah. Like, yeah. the writing assumes they do, but it's just not there. Nope. So they, they, they're just forcing these, like, plot elements. It's like, oh, she's supposed to be, like, the seductress or, or just this, like, go-getter reporter that's got a lot of, like, as you said earlier in another episode, moxie. And, like, she's got this, like, charisma. But, like, it, it never pays off. And there's, there's nothing that happens because of it. I don't know. It's really disappointing. Because, again, this is her episode to shine. Like, as much as we think this character is, like, blech, like, this is the one where she could not be bleh. Like, she could really crush it. Yeah. And be interesting and be at least fun. Like, this could have been a fun episode. Somewhere in the middle of this, we cut back to, like, the Red Baron in his murder den. And cutting an orange? He's scalping an orange. <laughs> and, uh, and he's, like, dressed to the nines. Yeah, like, they do, like, a real close-up. Like, we're literally supposed to think he's scalping this orange. It's so weird. And then it just cuts again. Yep. And uh, to Natalie having a bad dream are reenacting this attack on her. After Duncan speaks to Rando, uh, he comes out and talks to Richie, and he's trying to figure out, like, what's going on? Like, why hasn't the killer killed again? Like, he, sh he should have struck again. And Richie's like, I get it. He's like, the knife! He needs to buy a new knife! And it's like... <laughs> so first off, that's crazy, because, like, what is that? Like, ten minutes, Richie? Like, yeah. that's why he's late. He needs to, like, spend ten minutes and get a knife. It's a dumb... <laughs> <laughs> but then Duncan's response is even crazier because <laughs> Duncan says, no, he's too smart for that. Too smart for <laughs> buying a knife? Like, what? The, like, what's the alternative? Like, what, the, I don't know. <laughs> chopping their heads off with his shoe? I, I don't know. Like, no, it's not. Also, no, too he, smart he, he for leases, what? He leases knives. It's, yeah. it's just a bunch of, like, made-up dialogue. Like, it, I mean, obviously it's made-up dialogue, but it's just like... It's just like, yeah, have him say something about why. It's like, oh, he's too smart for that. Like, they wanted that line in there, like, to let us know that this killer's smart. Even yep. though the setup for that is like, he didn't get a new knife. He's too smart. <laughs> like, it's like, what? You already have one. Check Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> so, Duncan now has a stroke of genius, or, or, or just a stroke, and <laughs> thinks he ha he's discovered a lead on how to find the guy, which I think. We have a clip. We have a clip. So Duncan, I'll just play this. So Duncan realizes it's the motorcycle ah. is the the clue they need. So we're going to play this clip right now. It's got to be something else. Like what? The Indian. <laughs> the what? Here it is. The Indian, you know. <laughs> what <Whoa>. the fuck? <laughs> so, Duncan... What was that? It's like, the Indian, don't you know? And he does a little head bob, like he's like doing like this sort of like like this Indian dance or something. Like, it's he, it, this is so crazy. He puts on an Indian accent, but this is... This is... Ah, uh, this is... Where this, <laughs> ah, ah, this is where this gets so crazy. So, first off, they're referring to the motorcycle. They're called Indian motorcycles. If anyone doesn't know about these motorcycles, they're like the first motorcycle ever. Like, our American motorcycle. From like the early 1900s. They're cool. 
but they're Indian, like Native American Indian <laughs> motorcycles. So my get, this is my theory, is that Adrian Paul did not know any of that, and it's just like he he didn't he did not, not seen one at this point. They hadn't shot those scenes where they show one that has a picture of like an Indian with like the headdress yeah. and the whole thing. So he's like, oh, Indian. And so he delivers the line that way. But also that's weird because it's like, wait, was the Indian, don't you know, in the script? Like He probably ad libbed My guess this. is he ad-libbed that. And they were like, and they that's, left it in this is Richie great. Kind of laughs. Yeah. It's like, the Indian, don't you know? And But then everybody in the crew was like, uh-huh. Like, yeah, <laughs> we got it. that. We that's, got it. Cut, print. That's yeah. it. Uh, and like nobody was like, uh, this like, is kind of racist. A- Adrian, just to let you know, like, wrong indian accent like yeah the other one duncan we just want to let you know we're fine with the racism <laughs> yeah. directed at the right people yeah, please. Right. <laughs> this is nuts uh jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i can't even continue the indian uh, don't you know don't you know uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So at this point, uh, <laughs> I guess now they go to the bike shop. The bike shop. The bike shop. This is a good a good interaction. Well, Richie says hi to this bike guy, and he's like, "Yo, what's up, hey? Yo, Herbie, Herbie, Herbie. yo, bro, 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 bro." <laughs> <laughs> so Herbie comes out. Herbie's wearing a red button-up like dress shirt yeah. with a leather vest. Leather vest. Yeah. He's like he's a, Richie. He's a businessman. Do you want one leg broken or broke? Both? <laughs> it's, broke? It's, which arm do you want broken or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is? So the, Richie's had some dirty dealings with this guy. Well, it's weird because he's like, you were sp- he's all mad at Richie. He's like, you were supposed to get me those parts. And he's like, would you get out or would you get busted? And so he's like mad at Richie. Like he wants to break his legs for essentially not robbing people. Like, yeah, it's not like, like he, having he, him fence stolen goods. Yeah, he knew Richie was not like it's not like Richie was just his parts guy. Like right. he knew Richie was just stealing parts for him. Right. And oh. so he's all like mad, oh. like, oh you got busted? Yeah. Oh, it, you mean criminals sometimes threaten other criminals oh, in their right. business dealings? Crazy. Well, I, but why would you threaten him for just getting busted? Like it's like, well, that happens. Like I guess you got caught. Like, I'm not going to blame. I don't know. Yeah. I think you're applying a, re- a level of reasonableness to people <laughs> engaged in illegal activity. Now, Herbie seems pretty reasonable to me. Herbie does seem pretty reasonable. Like, the whole thing kind of rang a little false. But that being said. Like... He seems fully loaded to me. <laughs> so they basically say, Herbie, uh, about this Indian. Yeah. So Herbie's response to this Indian bike is crazy. Like he doesn't speak like an expert in this scenario at all. Like a guy who owns a motorcycle shop. Here we go. We're going to play this. I got out of the parts business. What? You get busted. Uh, you get busted. Uh, sort of. He's got a shit eating grin when he says Uh, it. Listen, Herbie, I was wondering if maybe you could do us a little favor. What? What? Uh, uh, (laughs) we're looking for a guy who owns an Indian. Great. Bike. Don't you know? Fast as hell. They stopped making them 30, 40 years ago, though. Great bike. Fast, fast as, as hell. hell. <laughs> also, Great why did he bike. get that information completely unprompted? For the benefit of we, the yeah, it's just viewer. That the, viewers, the viewers know, because it's like, yeah. why would he, like, Duncan already knows he's looking for an Indian. Ah, oh, it's so dumb. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> uh, so they, they pass him 100 to have him let them know if this guy comes in. Yep. And the guy eventually comes through. Yeah. Well, in, in the meantime, the killer is now killed again. Right. 
So he has he walks up to this woman. It's the MTV vision. Yeah. Uh, she's walking her dog, Tippy. Tippy. <laughs> <laughs> Tippy. And he's like, You have lovely hair. And was well, like, Can I pet your dog? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they pan up and she's at the Columbus like house, the Columbus Hotel. Yeah. Or something. Columbus so Arms, since his something like that. plot got foiled at Columbus Park, he is now diverted his plot to a different Columbus. That's thing. a that's a liberal reading of those past crimes, crazy slasher man. I guess. But I think he's playing games with the cops or something. That's right. So in the middle of this, Natalie is that's her name, right? Natalie. Yep. Is decides she's gonna take off the bandage and just has and just freaks the fuck out. And her, she just has this bloody head and she's crying. She's at Tess's house now for yeah. some reason. Tess comes in, so she takes off her bandage and she has this like speech she gives Tess about just being like on the food chain. And if a man sees you, like he'll just do whatever he wants to you. Yeah, it's like this is a pretty demeaning sort of like speech she gives. It's pretty consistent of. With the treatment of women throughout this series, though, and the movies, of yeah. just like the this ever looming threat of sexual violence and like right. the way women are kind of possessed and traded and yeah, and and she used gives as pawns. She gives like a, a a value assessment of herself. She's like, oh, a man's gonna look at me, and before long, like his eyes are gonna wander up and see like this, referring to like the mess of her head, <laughs> and and like lose interest and like not want me, blah blah blah, and it's like. Oh, like, okay, like, you're valuing yourself based on how men value you. Right. It's like, I mean, it's a subtle thing, but it's like, it's, that's a big thing in, like, feminist theory. Like, right. if, placing your value on what a man thinks of you, and that's exactly what the fuck is happening here. So, it's kind of sad. It's unpleasant. Yeah, eliminate your career, woman. <laughs> yeah. Eliminate your piece of meat begging not to be butchered. On the food chain. So, Herb, Herbie comes through and calls Richie, uh, that the guy comes in, but... Mac is not around. Right. So Richie decides he's going to go commando and try yeah. to... He chases him. He yeah. chases... They, they they get in a motorcycle chase. This is a pretty cool chase. There's yeah, some there's cool like, like stunts. Yeah, that jump. Richie does a jump. I'm assuming it wasn't Richie actually driving Probably the motorcycle. <laughs> also, oh, this is the first time we see Richie on like a motorcycle, which, spoiler alert, like this is part of his character later. Like he's like a motorcycle dude. Like... I don't know, this is the first time we see him like yeah. be like devastating device. spoiler for you well, guys yeah. at home. No, but I mean uh, this is the first like uh part of that character getting introduced. Like he is like a bike dude. Like Richie and a motorcycle go together like apple pie and cheddar cheese. Very good. It well it, it also continues the Chris O'Donnell parallel <laughs> in Batman so Forever. He's still robbing it up. That's right. Richie Robin. <laughs> so Richie goes there's this whole good chase but uh Richie ends up like crashing into a car. Yeah. And yeah. getting taken out. And the guy the guy gets away. Yeah. yeah. And then gets into a confrontation with Mac about this when he reveals what happened. And Mac it is, is fantastic. Yes, Mac is upset. Yep. Daddy Mac. Daddy Mac. <laughs> Daddy Mac. Richie, what were you thinking? This guy's a psychotic killer. You weren't there. Then you should have waited or called the police. What you don't do, you don't go off on your own. <laughs> what you don't do. <laughs> He's old Michael Caine. Uh, what you don't do. <laughs> it's, yeah, really he really good. lays into him. Yeah. And Richie's yep. got like the sad kind of dough in the headlights. Yeah, I feel bad Look. for Richie in this. Oh, but Duncan feels bad at the end. He's like, ah, what am I going to do with you? 
What you don't do. What you don't do. <laughs> uh, uh, Duncan has, uh, in the mean, meantime, been feeding more information to Randy, who's been giving it to the police. And he can't give it to the police, he says himself, because it would ca- cause too many questions. Because Graffini is just waiting for an excuse to put me in jail. Yeah, it's like, he says, like, so like what? Yeah. Why? When? And so, Graffini's not the one that's been like on his ass. If anybody, it's been this. Bennett. Yeah, I don't know. But at, at the he, Duncan shows up to the crime scene where this woman was murdered in front of Columbus House. Also, Duncan just again drives up to it like and just he's just there. Uh, the the uh, establishing shot for Columbus House. They show like the chalk outline of the body. This outline this, is the, the outline. worst drawn chalk outline I've ever. And it's like the head's humongous. It, it, I have written down. It looks like a clown giving a, <laughs> giving a thumbs up uh. and, and and a bunch of blood. Yeah. Oh it's boy. pretty spectacular. So yeah, so Randy's still kind of giving them info on about this is like an Indian motorcycle they're looking for. Oh, here's a good scene. Sorry. Um, after Duncan like really gives it to Richie, they cut to this like weird interstitial scene. Tess bring like uh, Natalie is staying with Tess and Duncan. She opens her bedroom door. T- Natalie is sleeping. She has what looks like a plate of like yams, like, <laughs> like roasted yams. She brings it into the room. She sit ne- sits next to Natalie, and then the scene is over. <laughs> I just like, oh, the yam scene. Okay. <laughs> Tess enters holding I, yams. I rewound it like four times. I was like, what is in her hands? Cannot fucking tell. So Duncan and Tess are kind of arguing. All this dialogue is really muddled too. It's hard to hear what anybody's saying, but she's like, she's like, well, Graffini's gonna catch him, and yeah, Duncan's like, this pompous ass couldn't catch a cold. <laughs> and like, again, don't know why he hates him so much and why he's pompous. Like, none of this shit is established. But also, like to Natalie, he's like, oh, don't worry, the cops got this. They're gonna catch him. Yeah. So it's, like, it's like he's. And then a second later, per- just like, yeah. yeah nope. Ellen. Nope. Nope. Um, so Duncan's like, he's sitting on a stakeout at the theater. He's like, the scalper knows he's there. He's not gonna show. And it's like, why? Like, I don't know why. Yeah. Like, why isn't the scalper gonna show? Is it because they know he's onto the pattern? I guess so. He's gonna look for a so variation on the theater, the Orpheum, something else. Also, throughout this whole episode, like Randy, Duncan, the cops, they're giving this serial killer more credit than is deserved because they don't know anything about him. They're like, he's messing with the cops and he's loving it. Like, yes. what indication do you have that that's happening? They didn't get a letter or anything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's not loving it. I don't know. <laughs> I'm very sick. I need help. Yeah. Uh, uh, if he's going to McDonald's, I'd say he's loving it. <laughs> I'm loving it. Oh, Ooh. boy. <laughs> that so Tess... Kept in. <laughs> Tess now puts herself up as bait. Which, their plan here... I, can, can someone explain their plan here this to me? Garbage. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> There's like a casting call for some reason. So Tess wants to be bait because she's blonde hair and like pretty. Uh, but she, she is those things. Legit. This is true. Uh, so Duncan has this idea to have an open casting call for Man and Superman, which was the, the original play that Marcus was in, uh, which also I was trying to figure out, like, I don't think that choice of play has anything to do with, like, the plot of it. I don't know. I was Ooh. like, uh, Man and Superman is a play by George Bernard Shaw, and a lot of the plot revolves around the, the main character is going to be engaged, is engaged, and he's going to be married to someone, and it's about kind of the effect of that on him and 
he says some kind of odd things about women in that. Like at one point he says like women are like part vivisector, part vampire. Like they study you and like pull you apart. Like I think it ties into this notion of betrayal. Oh, this like complicated notion that between men and women. There's also like a side plot in it where he's a used car salesman. <laughs> yeah, he's a used car salesman. Uh, there's a there's like a side act in it. That's like, involves Don Juan being in hell for some reason. Yeah, and that's that's like the big centerpiece of it. Don Juan in hell. Yeah. So there might be a connection there. I there's I suppose there's interesting man woman relations in that. All and right. Maybe that's what they're running yeah. with. So they run an ad in the paper. So they they hope the killer will see this ad, and then com- like come to the casting call and they'll be able to get him. So meanwhile, they've got girls calling the antique store. Like for this casting call because it's like by appointment only, so it's not, I guess, not quite open casting, but right. Uh, and Richie keeps telling them that it's filled. Also, the name of the production company is Sisyphus uh, Productions, which I thought was funny, but I and I guess that has something to do with it because he's like, isn't Sisyphus supposed to be like deceitful and crafty? And he was punished for being like too full of himself for it. Is Sisyphus the guy that has to? Roll the rock up. He's gonna push yeah. the boulder. I don't remember what he's punished for. It's a vicissitudes. Oh boy. So yeah, this this plot is not a good one. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the plan is, but it works for some reason. Well, sort of, but not quite. So Tess is taking periodic strolls in the hopes that this guy tries to scalp her. So in between strolls, it turns out someone without an appointment tries to show up, and that's who the scalper attacks. Right. Yeah. Like, I was like, whose fault is this? Like, it's definitely kind of Duncan's fault because he came up with this this crazy harebrained scheme to, like, put people at risk. But also, I like. I guess it's a little bit that girl's fault because she's supposed to make an appointment and she didn't. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like read the ad. That's right. <laughs> but she's like, she was spared because she was wearing a wig. She wasn't actually a blonde. Right. It is revealed. So the ending of this is crazy, or, or the the end of like is the culmination. This super crazy. So Richie, like, so this woman gets mugged. We, we presume the killer's still in the area. Richie sees the Indian motorcycle, and he's like, I'm going to fuck this bike up so this yeah. guy can't leave. It's like, I, okay, I guess. Like, I guess you could just hang out by the bike, too. Which, what was he <laughs> trying to do? It looked like he was opening a candy bar. Yeah. I'm not really sure. <laughs> he's taking a snack. <laughs> but, but first... He had a yeah. snack attack. Uh, <laughs> so the killer, like, gets the jump on Richie. Right. And they start fighting. And so Tess, in, like, the heat of the moment, gets in Duncan's car, the T-Bird, and just drives it at the killer. Yeah. And she ends up hitting him. Yep. And, and he just goes, no! Yeah, and he gets, like, plowed over. Yeah. It's kind of cool, I guess. But then, yeah. this is this is so dark. So, Randy shows up, like, out of nowhere. With the cameraman. With the cameraman. Like, I don't know why she's there. Was that set up? She's just fucking there, because she's a vulture. Yeah. Yeah. She just shows up. Duncan had fed her information, too, right? She had a fake newscast saying that they were on to the the killer in some way. Yeah. And I guess that was supposed to make the killer not follow his normal pattern or some, I'm not sure what that the I'm not point sure of that, that was. Fit in, but I think part of the deal was that <laughs> this is so she, confusing. I think part of the deal was that she was supposed to be there when they catch the guy. Oh. I think that was uh, the that was tip her. for Tat. Okay. Right. That makes sense. So, Tess has this like <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, Randy gets there with this cameraman and she's like 
is that him? And she's like, shoot the picture, John. Shoot, shoot this, this piece, piece of garbage. garbage. <laughs> so they're just shooting him. And this is just a, a shot of a man like writhing in pain. He's like, uh, uh, like he's just been hit by like a, like a 2,000 pounds of T-bird. And right. he's just like, uh, like every bone in my body's broken. She's so like, just shoot the garbage. Hell, shoot him. And then, they, and then they pan up. And like Tess is like out of the car. And she's looking like mortified. She's yeah. like, oh, my God, what has happened? And she's like, someone call an ambulance. <laughs> I have written down. She says, "Someone calling ambulance." Amber lamps. But yeah, this is like a really dark. I think it's really dark. It like, is. It's it got is. this sort of like weird voyeuristic thing. Like, uh-huh. yeah, shoot the pain. Like, shoot yeah. this piece of shit. Like, yeah. I hope he dies on TV. Like, and Tess uh, is like remorseful yeah. and like really shaken by this whole thing. This is weird. This is this is Randy at her yeah. like worst. Like, as yeah. much as she sticks a camera in people's faces to see pain for her own like benefit like it's like this is it like she's garbage Ugh. this could be could have been a fun theme to play with we should talk about it we'll loop back to this okay later but that is an interesting tension between the two of them at this point tess is like you know the episode's basically over duncan and tess and natalie have like a, a, a final moment together yep where natalie wishes it was like her who ran her down but tess is like no you don't like this will follow you, and it's really sad. Yeah, right. that's that's a theme. Like that's a theme that comes in at the end. Like there's so many themes in these episodes that just aren't explored. Like that seems like to be a big deal at the end. It's like, well, you stopped him. I wish it was me. And it's like, oh, is this episode about revenge? Being sweet. Like, <laughs> right? Uh. But no, it's like I guess that's what this is supposed to be about. But they don't explore like the consequences. Of, I mean, like that's what's interesting. I think, and it's just like tossed away at the end. It's like. Oh, like it's not that great to get revenge. Okay, and, uh, and and like especially Duncan's experience in all of this would be, I think, an interesting foil to it because it's like Duncan is certainly someone I think that we've sp- has certainly taken revenge in the past and has maybe grown past it because he seems to be like a level-headed guy. Like he's like, no, you don't act quickly. You don't like you know use the blade first. That sort of what thing. you like, don't do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity because it seems yeah. like this is an emotional core to the episode. And... Well, yeah, Tess says, I thought ridding the world of evil would feel better. And Duncan's kind of like, yeah, I get that feeling. But it's also weird because she's like, I thought it would feel better, but it's like she didn't kill him. Right. Like, I mean, like. Yeah, that's the other thing. He's in jail. Yeah, he's in jail. Like, I, I guess she just feels guilty about hurting him, but I don't know what you could. He was For, like... From my stance, it's like I wouldn't feel that guilty about doing what I did in that scenario. Like. Saving, Maybe. I mean, saving how many people your... have you purposefully run over with your car? <laughs> Not enough to feel bad about it. <laughs> well, it's like the naked also, gun joke. Like, like, this man was, like, murdering basically your, like, adopted son. Yeah, he was about less. to murder, like, your son. And yeah. you, you did stop him. And you did hurt him, which is bad, but... I mean, I, she feels this level of guilt like she killed. I mean, maybe she should have killed him because then yeah. there could have been uh, or, or if there was a choice at the end, like maybe she had a way to not kill him. But maybe she felt like the fact that Richie was in danger and that she hurt her friend so bad that instead of taking the path of stopping him, she took the path of killing him and had to deal with like I made a choice to like end this and maybe not the best way. And it could have been it could have gone back. I don't know. It's like it just seems like an odd end that doesn't. Yeah, and still just these female characters in this show, like, just kind of showing her as being fragile in this kind of empowering moment, kind of taking away the, you know, this is one of the times she really takes control of a situation, and she's really the hero, and they kind of cheapen it. 
When Duncan comes out in this scene, I just want to mention, he like looks really sleepy-eyed. His hair is all down, and he's wearing this like pink shirt. And there's and the painting behind him is crazy too. It's like a yeah. neon like still life. <laughs> yeah. And and the the before this happens, like they're Tess and Natalie are having a very serious conversation about like I wish it was I wish I killed him. And then it just cuts to the corner, neon painting, and Duncan comes out with his hair down, his shirt's yeah. unbuttoned, he's like Oh, time to go. <laughs> and he has, this, he has this like weird shit eating expression on He's his like face. He's like a surfer dude. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> Other thoughts I had on this is Duncan even needed in this episode? This is th- no, like this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So first off, Duncan explicitly mentions that these murders were well-documented and like hyped up by the press. So he's not providing any sort of like immortal insight. Really. And also, like, Randy's on the case, it would seem. Like, Randy had done all this research, and for some reason she still needs Duncan to, like, feed him, feed her info? Like, where the next murder... I don't know. It seemed like this didn't need Duncan... Like, he didn't provide any sort of, like, interesting insight, like, psychologically to what the killer... Because also, like, it's not like the killer knew Marcus, so... Right. Because, like, you could be like, oh, well, Duncan Duncan knows the mind of the killer. It's like, well, it doesn't matter if Duncan knows the mind of the killer. It only matters what the killer knows in the press because, like, right. that's his only insight. So I, he didn't need to be in it. No. Yeah. What, what would have been cool, I think, this should have been a Tess Randy team-up episode. Yeah. yeah. Really what should have been going on. Like, yeah. that should have been all that happened in the present. Maybe, like, Tess and Richie are the ones who show up. The guy bolts rather than trying to kill Natalie, like, that all still happens. Then Tess and Randy team up. Randy gets the idea about this killer. Duncan's connection to it is, as Randy Randy and Tess are putting all the clues together, maybe Tess is able to get private information about Duncan from, like, materials that are in the antique shop. So there's, like, this other secret source of information they have. And the two mysteries are going uh, like unfolding simultaneously. Like as they find information in the past, we are seeing flashbacks of Duncan's original attempts to catch Marcus. And then the two stories kind of come to parallel stories. The two stories come to a climax at the same time. That would be awesome. Yeah. So maybe we see the the fight with Marcus while the fight with. The Red Baron is going on. That would have been that great. That sounds exciting and some good editing. Yeah, that Woo! sounds that, awesome. Like, so that could have been kind of fun. And then it would have been cool to play with this idea again of like stopping. How do you stop this guy? Do you kill him? What do you do? And then you could have drawn, even with what happened, an interesting parallel. Maybe Tess does go too far in trying to stop this guy. And then... Or they make different choices. Yeah. yeah but then... And then Randy's response after this happened... Tess is broken up because she's one sort of person. And then Randy is like, yeah, stick the camera in his face. Fuck this asshole. Yeah. Um, and that can be their, like, you know, the two lessons you learn from it. And maybe the denouement of this whole thing is maybe Tess Duncan's like, you did what you have to do. Don't feel bad. Blah, blah, blah. The last shot can be Duncan feeling an intense amount of, despite comforting Tess, feeling an intense amount of remorse for killing Marcus. Yeah. Right. And that would have been kind of a fun contrast yeah so uh davis panzer productions can email us at highlanderrematch.com <laughs> if you'd like us as script consultants on the new <laughs> reboot series or whatever because i'll do it <laughs> uh good stuff kyle yeah. um another uh let's see two things i wanted to mention were behind the scenes um an interview with ep bill panzer he said the network people, writers, and other producers were actually all cons- very concerned about 
Tessa being the one to stop the killer in the way she did. And there were apparently lots of meetings about it. And people were concerned about the way that would come off. He never says in the interview, like, what the objections were, but they were, that was a big point of contention is that does Tess do this? And I mean, maybe it's just 1992 television. Does like the woman maybe kill the guy? I mean, well, she doesn't in this, but. In a show uh, where somebody's head is chopped off every week. (laughs) Including by like Joan Jett. Maybe it was just from a character perspective. Yeah. Whether or not it's appropriate for her character. They wanted her character to go in this direction. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, let's talk about the title. Yeah, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Like, see no evil? Like, I guess it's referencing the Predator vision? What? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, like, that's what I thought it was. Like, I was expecting this guy to be blind or something. Yeah. And that's why he sees things that way? Like, that's right. his crazy see no alternative evil. sense? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's in reference to Tessa's reticence to hurt this man? Or her feeling guilty about it or you don't i don't i don't know i cannot figure it out it's baffling uh i i also can't tell if i haven't thought about this too much so i'm gonna spitball here a little bit like these three episodes the the this episode the previous one which was called uh revenge is sweet and the next Next episode we're gonna cover which is eyewitness right like at some point where all three of these episodes won or, so, or connected, because it's like, all right, so see no evil, uh, like a little bit of a spoiler alert for the next episode, which involves Tess seeing a murder, and people don't believe she saw it. It's like, all right, well, suddenly the see no evil title makes sense for the for next episode, episode right. not this one. It's like, okay. And then this episode has all these weird noir elements, but so did the Revenge of Sweet has this insane Duncan monologue that's right, right out of a noir thing. Like, I don't know. It seems like these three episodes have this weird common thread throughout them in some way. I don't know how it all makes sense or is put together, but it's weird. It's very weird. weird. So anyway, that about wraps it up for this episode to see no evil or whatever that means. Feel free to write us in and tell us what you think that episode title means. Join us next week for the episode Eyewitness, which is a kind of test centric episode. I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, make sure to rate us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes or on Stitcher. We're us on Stitcher. Um, you can follow us on SoundCloud as well uh, and comment on there. Um, and if you don't have any of those things, we're actually we, – we post all our uh, podcasts on YouTube, so check those out. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Rewatchers uh, – or excuse me, at Highlander Rewatch. Follow us on Twitter at The Rewatchers. And then most importantly, follow us on Facebook, and we've got all the deets on Facebook um, and that'll do it for us, I think, today. But thank- what you don't do. <laughs> but what you don't do. Don't do. Don't do. Don't do. Don't do follow us on. What are we not on? Don't. What you don't do is follow us on MySpace. <laughs> Very good. Because we're not a band in 2003. <laughs> what you don't do is leave us long Facebook <laughs> comments because we won't read them on the air. Send us an email. Yeah, send us emails. It's a lot better for us to read those comments. Uh, on air if they're emails and that'll do it for this episode thanks for re-watching with us i am keith i'm kyle heyman highlander rewatched it's the show where we talk about highlander <laughs> do it live <laughs> I thought we'd go on. Ah! I, I was not sure what we were doing. I'm still not.